My name is Pastor Sharon Swift. I'm one of the pastors here at New Life and the Community Life team, and uh, really grateful to be uh, with you today uh, virtually. And uh, we're actually focusing, we're at the end of a series right now where we're focusing on metaphors for the church. And uh, in this season of pandemic, we um, have lost some of those common usual markers that we have for church. And revisiting scripture is a great way to ground us again and to see what does God actually say the church is? Not just the Sunday morning gatherings, when we say it's not just a building, what do we mean? What is the church? And it's more important than ever when we can't do our usual things in our usual way to revisit that and think about what the church is and what it isn't. It isn't an event, a location, a service, a product. Instead, we talked about the things that it is. Pastor Rich opened the series by talking about the church as a family and the church as a body. And he challenged us to not give up on connecting in meaningful ways with each other in a time when we're physically separated. Pastor Jackie preached on the church as the bride of Christ, and she helped us cut through all these modern notions of what it means to be a bride and that it's tied to marriage only, but to understand the passion that Jesus has for his beloved. Pastor Helen preached on the church as a flock of sheep and reminded us of our dependence on a good shepherd who will always see to our needs. Pastor Matt preached on the church as citizens of heaven, and he challenged us to consider how our allegiance to Christ is being challenged and tested in these divisive times. And I encourage you, if you missed any of those sermons, or even if you didn't, to give them a listen again. Because today, we're going to close out this series with the temple of God, the church as the temple of God. And I'm really actually excited about unpacking this for you, but this sermon series is so important, and, uh, and uh, this particular image is mentioned a few times in the New Testament, um, and so we're going to look closely at one particular reference in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse six, verses 16 and 17. So I'm going to go ahead and read that for you today, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. Do you not know that you are God's temple? And that God's spirit dwells in you. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. For God's temple is holy and you are that temple. Let's take a moment to pray. Lord, as we come before you today and we wrestle with the meaning of this text, I ask that your spirit guides us that it would lead us into all truth, that it would give us a sense of direction in a time when most of our guideposts are not in view, God. Lead us, show us, teach us, help us to imagine, help us to dream the dreams that you dream for the church. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
Um, you know, I find it amazing that God chooses to give us metaphors for the church, multiple ones, not just one, but multiple ones, rather than a list of do's and don'ts and how-tos. I think that's because images are timeless. They can be pondered and reinterpreted and, and reimagined for our current times. And that's why art is so powerful, whether it's visual arts or uh, music or theater. It helps us to interpret our times and see ourselves from another perspective. So for our family, Hamilton has been one of these uh, works of art that's captured our imagination. Um, for a while now, we've heard the soundtrack, we've been singing, it along, singing along with it, knowing the words, um, but she's seeing the show this summer online virtually has changed our engagement with it. The images of seeing the props and the staging and the actors and their movements and how they bring the characters to life and how they tell the story, not just through the song, but with their body and with their actions, and change the way our family engages with the music and with the history that it tells. We're now asking questions that we didn't ask before when we just had the soundtrack. And we're remembering facts now that we probably will never forget. And it gives us a new perspective to look at the past, but also to Im imagine our current world and interpret it. These images engage our imagination in a way that the words alone could not, the facts alone could not. And sometimes I worry, and I've been thinking about this the last few weeks, that the pandemic has kind of stopped us and, and stunted our imaginations. It stopped us from maybe dreaming a little and reimagining what could be possible. And so this series is really an, an invitation to imagine again and to have an imagination for all the possibilities of what the church could be and not just what it can't be right now. Because the church, like I said, it's not an event. It's not a location. It's not a product or experience. The church is the temple of God. Now, in the passage that we're looking at today, Paul uses the image of the temple to make a point about leadership in the church. And the reason he can do that is the image of a temple is a really accessible, immediately understood uh, uh, image. As soon as he mentions it, they know exactly what he's talking about. But, and so for us on a basic level, we can understand the temple is a place where worshipers gather, that the temple is the center of religious life for a community, that it's a place where uh, people practice their faith. But the temple in Jerusalem is more than that. And we need to understand why. And to do that, we have to look back to Genesis and the garden in Genesis. Remember, the garden is there at the beginning of creation. And the man and the woman lived there in the presence of the Lord. And they were able to be in his presence directly, unrestricted access to God's presence. But when humanity decides to put that at risk and go their own way, three key relationships were broken. The first is our broken relationship with God. That is fractured now. Our relationship with each other as human beings is also broken. And then our relationship with the whole of creation, all the rest of the created beings, has also been fractured. 
Now, to understand the temple, even though the effects of this and the ripples are huge and echo through all human history, we're going to focus on that first one, that broken relationship with God and how the temple is connected to that. See, God wants to continue to be in relationship with humanity even after that fall. He created us. He loves us. But he can no longer be in that direct contact with them. He can't have his presence be in direct contact with humans without harming them. His goodness, his holiness is too powerful. And we have been damaged by our choice to go our own way. And it's hard to understand, if God is good, how can his presence harm us? How can it be dangerous to us? It's, it's not that easy to understand, but I'm going to try to give you an example from everyday life. Think about um, something like bleach, something that's good and uh, necessary, but undiluted at full strength would be harmful. Think about bleach and how it's useful, it's necessary at times, it can kill germs, which is something that's on all of our minds now. But it's also incredibly corrosive and destructive when it's used undiluted or directly on something. So you can use it to clean clothes and kill germs on them, but only when it's in a diluted form and only on white clothing. And you have to put it in a special part of your washing machine so that it doesn't mingle with other products and it hits the clothes diluted. Otherwise, it will cause damage. It will react with other things poorly. And so you need something like an intermediary, like the water that dilutes it and keeps it potent enough to be effective, but not so powerful that it destroys the thing that it's meant to help, that you're trying to clean with it. Now, it's not a perfect analogy, but that's the idea of God's holy presence. After the garden, his presence is good still, and we still need him. But And God still wants to be in the presence of humanity, still wants to be in relationship and with the people he created. And he wants to start again and dwell with Israel as a starting point, dwell with them in a special way to make them unique among all the people of the earth in order to show the world the potential for flourishing and what's possible when humanity and God collaborate. But after the garden, this has to be navigated really carefully. And it's because of the power of God's holiness and presence. And so after they... Uh, leave Egypt in the Exodus, God has them build a tabernacle, which is a tent that's designed according to very specific um, measurements and design, particularly for God to dwell strategically placed in the center of the community where it can move with them as they travel through the desert and into the promised land. And God gives them rules and regulations to keep them safe and to approach, when they approach his presence in the tabernacle. And like us with bleach, if you've ever had bleach around colored clothing, you learn to be careful and not splash the bleach around, not to be careless. They also had to learn not to be careless with the presence of God and with his holiness, to approach him carefully 
to be in his presence in the holy of holies behind the veil. And so eventually the kingdom of Israel gets established in the promised land. And this tent is actually now um, replaced by a permanent dwelling for God. Solomon builds a temple out of stone on Mount Zion. And God's presence can now be established permanently in Jerusalem or in a more permanent way in Jerusalem in the temple. So see, the tabernacle or the temple was a place of worship, but what made it distinct is that it was a place where the mediated presence of God could rest among his people. It was a sign that God was their God and that they were his people. The temple was not one of many places, but rather the one place of divine encounter in the entire world. The very presence of God rested behind the veil in the Holy of Holies. Now, it didn't mean that God was limited to that one place, but that he would choose to specifically dwell in this community in a special way in that place, and that Israel had special access to God's presence to meet with him through that temple. And so you see, it's not just a mere building. The image of the temple is so much more than just the building. It is a sign of the presence of God among his people, a sign of his great love a sign for them that he desires to dwell with them and to be associated with his people. That special connection is what made them unique among all the nations of the earth. And it made them a sign and a wonder. And through the temple, God shows the world how much he desires to dwell with all humanity in the same way that he rests with Israel. Now here, in today's passage, Paul is saying that the church is the temple. Now how can that be, given what we just talked about, about God's presence and the potency and the power of his presence? Well, we needed a new intermediary. Something else had to take the place of all the regulations and precautions that made it safe for us, an imperfect people, to be in the presence of God directly again. But actually, that something is a someone. When Jesus went to the cross, it was to fulfill all the requirements one final time and for all time. When Jesus died, Matthew in his gospel and also Mark and Luke tell us that the curtain was torn in the temple from top to bottom. And that's a sign that Jesus had repaired that broken connection between God and humankind, immediately restoring a level of wholeness that has not been experienced since the man and the woman in the garden. And so now, because of Jesus, we are now carriers of the Holy Spirit. We each carry the power of God within us to be transformed, but also to bring the presence of Christ wherever we are. Every Christian is a sign and a wonder, a testimony, 
of God's desire to dwell among humanity. Do you realize how incredibly powerful that is and how special you are? That you are a sign and a wonder in this world. Now maybe for some of you that's hard to believe today. Maybe you haven't felt the presence of God like that in a long time. Maybe social distancing has you feeling isolated from people, but also from God and your usual ways of connecting with him. Maybe you've struggled to even to feel God's love and presence and his care for you even before the pandemic, but now it has grown more intense. Maybe you're a parent, an essential worker, someone who has been just too busy trying to manage life day to day, even hour to hour, let alone spend time considering God's desire to dwell with you. We're in survival mode, most of us. But the world, but God wants you to know, the God of the universe wants to dwell with you and values your company so much that he made it possible to commune with you. And through your life, he wants to show others his desire to dwell with them as well. But this is bigger than just one individual. Paul isn't talking here to a singular you. When we look at this passage, it's, it's easy to miss this because the English, our English words don't capture it. But the you here is plural in the Greek. It's you all, for lack of a better way of saying it in English. It's talking about the church as a collective. We are the temple of God. All of us, together. This is not just about a single person or a single time and place. This is now a movement, a living organism. First Peter makes this reference too to church as, a, as living stones in First Peter 2 verse 5, that we are living stones being built into a spiritual house. Each one of us is that living stone that makes that temple, that makes that altar of worship. You see, each one of us is a stone, and alone by itself, a stone may have some beauty and value, certainly. But what makes magnificent architecture is not only the quality of each stone that's used in the construction. Of course, that certainly plays a part. You don't want to build a magnificent building that's meant to last for hundreds of years out of mediocre materials. But that alone is not what makes the building a work of art. It's how the stones are placed together, how some stones are shaped for a particular purpose, they are arranged in such a way to capitalize on each stone's beauty and size and strength and characteristics. Each stone is arranged and shaped and it's all put together by a craftsman to be a masterpiece of architecture. You see, each one of us is a living stone. Each one of us has a beauty placed in, it, in us by our creator. Each one of us shaped for a particular purpose. 
Each stone is made more beautiful by the stones arranged around it. Each one lifted up by the stone next to it. Together we make a living temple. We are a sign and a wonder. A magnificent living temple that testifies to the presence of God in the world. Each one of us carrying his presence through the world, through our individual personalities, our ethnicities, our passions, our skills, our gifts. Together, speaking louder than any one voice could. Shining brighter than any one single stone could. And we are showing that God is real and active and in the world and in our midst. And as Paul says in today's passage, no person can stand against such a temple. There's no single power or person that can prevail against it because the temple is no longer about a place or a person, but it's about a people, a movement of people. And because of that, Paul, as Paul says, he, God will always preserve a witness in the world, even if it's through a remnant. And so we see this time and time again, over 2,000 years since Jesus ascended, that the church survived against all odds, against persecution, diaspora, famine, and yes, even bacteria and viruses and all kinds of manner of disease. Even in times where there was less technology, less understanding of medicine, harsher conditions, and periods of isolation. See, the physical temple could be destroyed, but the church continues to thrive and grow, and often in the very places where it should and could have ended completely. And so what does that mean for us today? In this pandemic, in the face of this virus that we're seeing now, and I have to be honest with you, I personally have found this season very difficult. There have been times, truly, where I felt like a stone by myself, not like a stone part of the temple of God. I'm an extrovert, and so I miss people. I miss you all so much. There really aren't enough words for me to tell you how hard it is to pastor this way and how it hurts my heart because I miss all the small interactions we had that I took for granted. I miss seeing you in the sanctuary. I miss gazing across and seeing you singing or raising your hands. I miss trying really hard to sing the harmony parts and failing and you all pretending that you don't hear it. I miss seeing your faces in the lobby. I miss um, seeing parents wrangle with the little ones and little ones coming and hugging my knees and showing me what they made in uh, Next Gen Ministries. I miss the dozens of small conversations that we have that may start out with, a, hey, what are you doing? And then go somewhere that we didn't even expect that we needed to go. I miss all those little expressions of God's presence through each of you because it spurs me on in my own walk. 
For all of us, this has been disorienting, and it's hard to figure out how to maintain community in a time that is so unlike any other in our lifetime. And I want to normalize how easy it is to drift away and disconnect. And if that's been your experience, I want to take a moment and encourage you to make a conscious effort to make that next step towards connection. Because we are not like clubs and communities where when the church gathers, we are actually a unique touch point of God between God and the world. The work of God doesn't stop because we're six feet apart. And God is not socially distant from you. He is dwelling in you because we are his temple. So remember when I talked about dreaming and imagining again? What would it look like to dream and imagine again for the kingdom of God, for his church? I know we're in a season dominated by words like restriction, limitation, risk. But what about daring to dream about what becomes possible in this moment? About making space for new connections that can be formed in this time that could not be formed before. Because even in my moments of grief, I have to tell you that there are moments where God has done beyond what I could have imagined. Our last congregational day alone with God was so powerful. God did things, God did his thing, and he showed up in ways over Zoom that filled me and sustained me even now. And I have seen people who have normally struggled to come to events because they take place on a school night or the trains run so slowly after nine or they're disabled or have other health issues that restrict their movement. And they're suddenly able to attend events and classes regularly and be in the heart of community again. There are things to mourn and to grieve, but grief opens up space for us to see what is new and what will emerge in that new space, and to dream again. And so that's my question to you today. What does it look like for you to dream about being more connected to community here at the church, at God's, in God's temple, virtually? For some, it's taking that first step to be known in the newcomers gathering that Pastor Rich is hosting. It's a chance for you to just Step into the space, ask some questions, hear how the church is here to serve you, even in this unusual time. And what does it mean to be connected here at New Life? For some, it's taking that risk to sign up for events, even though it's on Zoom and it's not, it's not how we usually do things. Taking that risk to believe that God will meet us. His spirit will meet us even over those screens and through the interwebs. That he is still moving because he dwells in you. It's taking that step to maybe sign up for those equipping classes. EHR is coming up. Emotionally Healthy Relationships. We will have Bible 101 coming up later in the fall if you are interested in more, learning more about the Old Testament and the temple. There are so many opportunities coming up in the fall on Wednesdays and Sundays to get more connected and to experience community. And of course, there's always small groups. We want to encourage you to build those longer-term relationships where you can be known and you can be lifted up by other living stones. 
we're going to continue to try and create events and spaces for you to connect meaningfully. And we ask, the invitation today is to dream again and to create open space for an imagination of what God can do in this season because we are his temple. Let's pray. Lord, we are in awe of your ability to meet us in spite of the distance, in spite of the isolation, in spite of all the obstacles, God, in spite of all the pain that we're experiencing, in spite of all the bad news and the limitation and the restrictions. And yet, God, you are not bound by that. You were never bound by these four walls of the church. Open our hearts and our minds to imagine what is possible to move beyond the grief of what we've lost, but to see the new thing that you are doing. Guide us by your Holy Spirit deeper into community. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Sharon, for that beautiful word. I just love the way um, she guided us through this, uh, this, this topic and this discussion. And ultimately just leaving us with the reality that there is so much hope for us. And that God has not distanced himself from us. He has not forgotten his message. He's not forgotten his promises. You, I, we are part of the temple of the living God. Although things have died around us and things have changed around us and some things may never come back that have been lost, we still belong to a creative, loving God. And he will see us through this season as he has seen us through every other season. And so for those of you that may be struggling today, look, I want to remind you after this service, we have a couple of options. We have the virtual prayer room. You can have someone pray for you. Maybe you just need to have someone speak words of encouragement over you. Stay tuned for that. And just pray with someone. Others, maybe you just want to connect. You just want to sit, be in a small group with some folks. Our pastors, some of our pastors will be present after this service in the virtual lobby. And you can just chat. You can just chat what's going on with your life, what's happening, hear others talk. These may seem like simple things, but sometimes it's the simple steps that we need to take before we take the grand steps. So if that's you, please take option and please stay around for those two things. The other thing is for those of you that are watching, and we know every week when we do this virtual service, every week, we know there are people out there that have yet to fully commit their lives to the Lord Jesus Christ. We know you're watching. We thank you for watching. Thank you for tuning in every single week. Even when you don't understand certain things, you still come back and you stay present, this may be the opportunity for you to take that step and say, yes, I do think that Jesus is calling me. 
And if that's you, we want you to text to the number on your screen. A pastor will reach out to you within the next 24 hours. We want to take you forward in that journey. We don't claim to be perfect. The church is not perfect. But we know God's hand is on us. We know that God is putting together a beautiful mosaic, and it's called his church. And we want to invite you to join that as well. So I'm going to say a prayer for us, a blessing. Please put out your hands wherever you are. And just allow these words to just wash over you and receive his love and his commitment to you today. Brothers and sisters, sons and daughters of the living God, may God bless you. May he keep you. May his face shine upon you. May you realize that you are part of a beautiful mosaic created by the living God. That the church will not be the same without you. That you have a part to play. That you have a beautiful role in this temple. That he is calling you. He is waiting for you. And he loves you. It's in the strong, powerful, and magnificent name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. God bless you all. Have a great week.